Welcome to the May 29th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, and the sermon is entitled, If I Had Only One Sermon to Preach, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Don't you love a good challenge? I thought about that this week as I had already studied for this sermon, but I thought, how am I going to start this thing? Well, I, I love a good challenge. All of us are challenged in life. You know, in our younger days, our friends challenged us all the time. You know, I can run faster than you. I can ride a bike faster than you can ride. I can kick a ball farther than you can kick a ball. I can ski down a steeper slope. I have shot a bigger deer. I have caught a bigger fish. I can beat you in golf or racquetball or tennis or name your sport, I can beat you. We go through those challenges all through life. But when you pass 60, the challenges get different. don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, for those of you who are past that point. If you're not past that point, you're going to get there one day, and your challenges will change. After 60, your challenges are, I bet I take more naps than you do every day. How far do you walk to your mailbox? <laughs> How many pills do you take a day? And here's the gold standard. I bet I've had more colonoscopies than you've had. <laughs> All right. Well, Pastor Jeffrey issued me a challenge, a good preacher challenge. He acquired a book, uh, and I've read most of it through, if... if I had only one sermon to preach. And so this is a fifth Sunday, and Jeffrey said, I will give you the fifth Sunday. Jeffrey should be preaching today. He said, if you will preach that sermon, I give you my fifth Sunday. So I took that challenge on, and I sought the Lord about it, and this is his sermon. This is his direction. Now, I hasten to say this to you. If I had only one sermon to preach, there are dozens, perhaps hundreds of Scripture passages that could be the sermon that would be our only sermon at the moment. But, but the Lord brought me to this particular passage. I want you to take your Bible. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. This is an account about Jesus dealing with a man who was in a pitiful, tormented state. Mark, chapter 5, go to verse 1 there. This is an interesting passage of Scripture, so hear God's Word as we share it together today. If you're online with us, take your Bible, turn with me there. Mark chapter 5, begin with verse 1. Hear these words. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? 
I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea, there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed. And it is right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him, Jesus, they began to pray Jesus to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. May God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of his very precious and holy word. Chapter 5, as it opens... Jesus has sailed to a side of the Sea of Galilee that he did not visit that often. Most of his ministry was carried out in the northern and western side of the sea in the areas of Nazareth and Bethsaida and Tiberias and Capernaum. But here we see him on the southeastern side of the Sea of Galilee, a place that he did not go very often. At least in the gospel records, we don't see Jesus at Gadara very often. But as soon as he comes to this community of Gadara, he meets an appointment. An appointment that had been made in the mind and the heart of God. Because immediately as Jesus stepped off of the ship in this community of Gadara, a man runs to him and he runs from this unusual place. He comes out of a graveyard and he runs to the feet of Jesus, a desperate, sad, tormented life running to Jesus. Now the gospel writer Mark fills us in on who he is and what had happened in his life. Somewhere, somehow, in this man's life, he had opened the door of his heart to Satan. And when he opened the door of his heart to Satan, his life was flooded by a demonic force that came from Satan. Demons had taken over his life and his mind and his body and his thinking. He was invaded. And all the demons lived on the throne of his heart. 
Nobody in the village of Gadara could stand him. He was a fearful sight. He had wild eyes. He had wild hair. He had rags for clothing. And in this state of mind, he didn't care what was covered and what was uncovered. And the people of the community was ashamed of him and didn't want him walking about in their community. So he was ostracized to the graveyard to live there alone. He was so possessed of Satan that though they had tried to restrain him, he had this superhuman strength that he could break through the chains and the shackles that would hold him like they were children's toys. He was totally uncontrollable. In verse 4, Mark said he was untamable. You couldn't reason with him. You couldn't tame him. You couldn't calm him down. And he lived among the dead because the living people just couldn't tolerate him living among themselves. And at night, as the people of Gadara settled down into their beds and into their homes, and the lights were extinguished and the night got quiet, they could hear him in the graveyard screaming and yelling, a tormented soul. And Scripture says that he was so tormented that he would actually pick up the flint rocks indigenous to that area and cut himself and punish himself because of who he was. He was so afflicted and he hated his life because of the demonic possession. He knew, listen friends, he knew he had an awful problem. He knew it. And when Jesus stepped off of that boat... This man fought through this army of demons living in his heart and in his life. He fought through the evil. He pushed through the evil in his heart. And he got himself to Jesus Christ. He ignored the fact that all of these demons were holding him back. You're not worthy. You're worthless. You're too far gone. But he pushes all of the evil aside in his mind and in his heart and the man runs to the feet of Jesus as soon as he comes off of the boat. But listen, this is very important. This man was not totally gone. He was not totally consumed. And he was not totally crazy. He still had his own mind in this living hell. He still could think through And even though all of these demons gathered in his body and sat on the throne of his heart, he could still think through of what he needed. And so he pushed them all aside to get to the feet of Jesus. I see in my mind a football player who is pursuing the goal line. And with the opposing team that is chasing him and tackling him and holding him, he presses forth in all of his strength just to get over the goal line. In the same way as all of these demons were holding and tackling He pushed through them and got to the goal line of the feet of Jesus. I see him there. Against all the attacks of the demons, he gets to the feet of Jesus because he knew only the Lord could help him. In Mark chapter 5, look at verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, He ran and worshipped him. Worship is not an act of Satan. Worship is not an act of demons. So this man himself, as inhabited by demons as he was, thought through the fact that he needed Jesus. And he pushed it all aside, and he came to Jesus. 
But in verse 7, as he comes to Jesus, now the demons inside him speak out. You almost have two personalities here. Don't miss that in this scripture. You see the revelation of two personalities. Here's the man in verse 6, and he pushes aside all of the evil, and he himself comes to Jesus. But then in verse 7, the other personality of the demons speak forth from him. And they recognize God, and they cry from the man. Look at verse 7. Chapter 5, verse 7. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. These are the demons in him speaking to the Son of God. And in verses 7 and 8, Jesus speaks past the man, and he speaks to the demons who are residing in the man. And he says, Come out, thou unclean spirit. And then he asks, what is your name? And it sends shivers down my spine, and it has since I was a teenager to read this passage of Scripture because he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. A legion of Roman soldiers had 6,000 soldiers in it. This man was completely inhabited by the legion of demons of Satan. But these demons continue now to beg Jesus' mercy not to send them far out. He'd already told them they're coming out, but they're begging now, don't send us very far away. And Jesus honors that request. He doesn't send them very far. Now, there's one fact that stands above this whole situation, and you need to write this note in your Bible. If you write in your Bible, you need to write this note. Jesus never lost control in this situation. Jesus is king. He is God. And he will tell Satan, and he will tell the demonic forces what they are to do, and they must obey. There is no control of Satan and the demons against Jesus, the Lamb, and the Son of God. God has total control. Jesus is in control here. And when he says, get out, Satan and the demons have no choice but to get out. That is still his control. That is still his authority. That is still his power today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus holds total control. So as the demons leave the man, as you know, they enter into a nearby herd of 2,000 pigs, and even the pigs are disturbed that these demons have moved into them and they violently charge down the banks of the Sea of Galilee and I believe somewhat voluntarily drown themselves. Jesus controlled the demons. Jesus controlled the animals. Jesus controlled this entire situation. That's important. And instantaneously, the moment that the demonic force left this man, He changed. He changed. He changed completely. He didn't change partially. He changed completely. Satan is banned from his heart. Jesus Christ has now moved into his heart and into his life. So the throne has given up the demons and taken on Jesus. The throne of his heart filled by Christ. And his countenance is completely different. 
If you need to write this scripture down, you don't have to turn there. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Everything became new for this man that moment. That all the demons were ordered out of him and Jesus moved in. Mark chapter 5, verse 15, scripture says, The man's mind is right and his eyes are clear. I'm sure he still had rags for clothing, but they were placed on him modestly now. Another amazing point about this account is that this miracle is so comprehensive and so total in this man that the people of Gadara who saw it got scared. In fact, those who saw it brought in some multitudes from the community to witness this man. Not only were people scared by the miracle of Jesus, but the people who owned those pigs were furious with Jesus because they'd lost the totality of their income, drowned in the sea. So Jesus wasn't a popular figure in this particular moment. Now, as we think about that, as we think about that reaction of people got scared and people got mad, that's a whole nother sermon. I don't have time to deal with that today. But suffice it to say this, The world does not always accept or recognize the miracle of Jesus. But Jesus turns to get back on the boat to honor their request that he leave. Some scared, some mad, get out of here, Jesus, and he honors their request. Someone said this morning that our Lord has been pushed out of the courtrooms and out of the classrooms of the United States of America in a lot of ways. That's probably true, and Jesus will honor that request if we don't invite him in. And so this is a call to the United States of America and to our very community that we invite Jesus back to the courtroom and back to the classroom. That's where he needs to be. Praise God. But as Jesus turns to go back onto the boat because they've asked him to leave, honoring their request, this man says, Lord, Let me come with you. Let me get on that boat and go with you. Let me leave this community and go into the world of ministry with you. But Jesus says, no. No, you cannot come with me. Look at Mark chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus suffered him not, meaning he denied his request to come. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. What an amazing scripture to me. If I had only one sermon to preach, this is one of those primary scriptures. But why this scripture today? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is my story And this is your story. Forgiveness is our story when we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. If you are a believer today, listen. I want you to know this, and I want you to bear this in your mind forever and ever. Your forgiveness, your acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and His forgiveness and His promising that you will be His son or His daughter, and you will have a home prepared for you for all eternity, that 
salvation that you have, believer, is just as miraculous as what happened to that man. He gave you life, and he gave you blessing for all eternity. If you need Jesus Christ as your Savior today, this very moment, whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're online somewhere in the world, this very moment, wherever you are, Jesus is stepping off of the boat. And Jesus is ready and willing and able to save you if you'll just run to him, come to him, fall at his feet, and ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. He's willing to bring the very same miracle of healing to you. This can be your story today if you come to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. This scripture speaks to us all, saved and unsaved alike. So as I've come to the, the, toward the end of the sermon, I want to give you four short truths that I see in this passage of scripture. Here's truth number one. Every human being has a problem. Now, I do not believe that every person on earth is inhabited by a demon. I believe that there are people who open their heart and allow Satan and allow a demonic force to come inside of them. Voluntarily, they invite him in. They ask him in. This man has somewhere, somehow in his life invited Satan into his heart and into his life. I don't think everybody is inhabited by demons but every person is inhabited by sin. All of us sin, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. And listen, thinking about this passage of Scripture, sin will take over your life. Sin will take over your mind. Sin will take over your judgment. Sin will take over your morality. Sin will take over what you know is right and wrong, sin can take over. It clouds our eyes. It messes up our judgment. It can take over our mind. I read an article just a few weeks ago about Hugh Hefner. Of course, you know Hugh Hefner was the creator of Playboy magazine and stood at the helm for many, many years there. No man has done more in the United States of America to bring immorality to our society than Hugh Hefner. Pornography, largely attributed to him. And yet in this article, which was written before he died, he made this statement. I brought America freedom from marriage and making a pledge to one person. I look back on my life as well-lived. Through the lens of God's Word, there is one conclusion, and that is that sin ruled this man's heart. Very possibly, there was a legion living in him to believe that with all of his mind, that he changed America for the good by ruining our morality. He died in 2017. And if he died with that same mindset, he is in Hades today, and hell will be his eternity. I don't put him there. God honors that there. That is God's statement to us. His mind was wrong. He was deluded by his own sin. All of us have a problem called sin. And the sole reason that Jesus came 
was born in a manger, lived as the Lamb of God some 33 years, and laid his life down on an old rugged cross is because every single one of us has a problem, and he's given us the way to deal with the problem. Truth number two. Just like the demon-possessed man had to push through the demons, you and I have to realize our sinful, sorry state. You know, the prodigal son... Another one of those scriptures that could be used for that if I only had one sermon. In the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, Jesus said, this boy out there in the far country, he came to himself. I love that statement. He came to himself. Every one of us as a sinner needs to come to ourselves and realize there's something wrong and I have a problem. Too, too many people say, I need to come to Jesus, but I'll do that another day. I'll do that when I feel closer to him. I'll do that when I start reading my Bible. I'll do that when I start feeling like I'm a little less sinful. I'll come someday, but not today. But coming to the Savior, according to this passage of Scripture, is not to be scheduled to some farther day out there on the calendar, but rather this man came the moment Jesus stepped off the boat because he knew he needed him desperately So I say this to you today, if you need Jesus, push past the sin, push past the thinking that's clouded your mind for a long, long time, and realize today, I have a problem and I need Jesus. I need to come to him. As soon as Jesus stepped off that boat, this man ran to him. Today, run to him. If he stepped off the boat in this sanctuary and you're here, run to this altar today. If he stepped off the boat and you're online and it's in your living room or your kitchen or your car, run to him where you are and come to him as Lord and Savior today because all of us have a problem and Jesus alone can deal with it in forgiveness and eternal life. The need to come is urgent. This man in Mark 5 knew it was urgent. I want you to know, coming to Jesus is urgent. Don't put it off. Today is the day. Truth number three. When you see past your sin, and when you come to Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have to know this. Your life will fully change. Your life will change. In Mark 5, Scripture says this demon-possessed man met Jesus and his mind became right and his actions were different and his words were different and Satan was gone, the demons were gone, and even his outward appearance changed. People could look at him and say, Jesus brought a miracle in that man's life. He has totally changed. When Jesus comes to you and to me, we will change. If today you can say, I know Jesus, but I've not changed. My lifestyle is no different. My morality is no different. I made the same choices now that I used to make back before I knew Jesus. Let me say this to you. You may have met Jesus, but you don't know Jesus yet. When you know him as your Savior, when you offer up the throne of your heart to him as your Lord and your Savior, he will change us. And our mind will think like the mind of Christ, and our actions will reflect him. And our decisions will reflect him. Life is different when Jesus is the king. Truth number four. As Jesus departed Gadara, this healed man said, let me go with you. And Jesus said, no, that's not my will for you. It's not my will that you come to be with me. I 
I can't take you back as a disciple, but I want you to be a witness at home. I want you to go home, and I want you to tell your friends what I have done for you. You won't come with me, but I promise I'll be with you. You go back to your community, go back to your friends and tell them what I've done. Friends, when you know Jesus, when you truly know Jesus, your life becomes a beacon and a witness for him. I'm so thankful that he uses us and that we can show the world Jesus as Lord and Savior. One preacher put it this way, if you truly possess him, you will absolutely profess him. You can't hide Jesus living on the throne of your heart. You will show him to the world. So this brings us now to the end of the sermon. And, and here's, here was kind of my guideline from God about if I only had one sermon to preach. The sermon needs to speak to everybody. Not just to a, a set group, but it needs to speak. If I only had one sermon and I had a, a soapbox that I could speak to the world, I want to speak to every person. Not just a chosen few, but everyone needs a message. So here is a moment of decision for us, and I believe it's a decision for every one of us. Your decision today might be, Lord Jesus, I have a sin problem. I am lost. I don't know you as Lord and Savior. But today I see that problem, and I want to run to you, and I want to ask your forgiveness. I'm sorry for my sin, and I know I need you, and I open my heart, and I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe literally you rose from the grave on the third day that I might have life everlasting. So, Lord, come live in me. Today, today I offer you the throne of my heart. If you need him here, you need him online, you can come to him as someone who has been lost in sin, and through him and through his forgiveness, sin will depart, and you will be forgiven. If you need him, don't put it off to another day. Run to him today, just like this man in Mark 5. Maybe your decision is, Lord, help my life change. I want to show the world your presence in me on the throne of my heart. Give me the mind. Give me the desire. Grow me in living for you and you alone. Lord, today, here's my commitment. I want to be all in. I want to be totally surrendered to you as my Savior. And this is my commitment this day. I'm running to you today to make that commitment that I am all in, fully surrendered to your will in my life. Every one of us needs to make that decision if we're believers. There's no such thing as living for Jesus one day and living for the world the next day. There's no such thing as one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You're all in if you're in Jesus. And here's the last thing in a moment of decision. Will you today say, Lord Jesus, wherever you send me, as a believer in you, wherever you send me, I will go. Maybe it's back to my own family, back to my own community, back to my own friends, back to my own circle. It may be to another part of the world, but Lord, wherever you send me, whatever your will is for me, Jesus expressed his will for this man. And he has a will for you and for me. Will you today say, Lord, wherever you send me, that's where I want to be. Maybe there's someone in this sanctuary today or someone online who needs to surrender to full-time ministry service. There came a moment in my life 
Jeffrey's life, Pastor Clyde, Pastor Tom, where we surrender to full-time ministry. Best decision I ever made, we ever made, because it was led by the Lord. Maybe today that should be your decision. But how, how many of us today will say, Lord Jesus, wherever you send me, I will go. Every one of us needs to make a decision today. What is yours? And the Lord is knocking on the door of my heart asking, Mike, what is your decision today? Church home, whatever you need, Jesus meets us here. He just stepped off the boat. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, in these moments, as we think about this lost man in a cemetery, Father, he was totally changed. Perhaps today, Father, someone here or someone online needs to be totally changed. Saying, Lord Jesus, I have a sin problem. And I know it. My choices are bad. My mind is wrong. My heart is wrong. My relationships are not right. Lord, I have a sin problem. I need you to fix it. I'm running to you now, asking for you to take my sin away and to live on the throne of my heart. Today, Father, I pray for that decision of salvation to be made perhaps all over the world. Today, Father, perhaps there's a decision for someone to say, Lord, I need to just rededicate my life. I can't live with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. I want to be all in. I want to be totally surrendered to you, Lord. I want to give everything I have to you. Change my words, change my mind, change my actions to be what Jesus wants me to be. Or maybe today the decision is, Lord, I surrender. Wherever you send me, I will go. Wherever you lead me, I will follow. Send me as a witness, and I will share Jesus Christ with those who need you. I surrender, and I give my life to you to follow where you lead. Bless us, Lord, in these very precious moments, I pray. I love the Lord with all my heart. And I love this church with all of my heart. And I love just knowing that there are so many who are joining us today who are online. I pray your word has been preached, your invitation has been given, and that people will surrender and respond to Jesus just as he steps off the boat in Jesus' name. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.